passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. point blowout against Kent State. What did we learn from the first game of the 2023 season? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Charge On. As always, I'm your host, Sean Green. Before we get started, as always, a quick word from our sponsors, Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs this college football season. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting in your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. I have both co-hosts of Charge On on this episode. After, I don't know, you guys were on like maybe 10, 15 episodes go together, but Nick Geddes, Rob Husby, what a game. I mean, uh, I was the only one that attended. Uh, both of them stayed home and watched from the comfort of their own home. Nice night out of the bounce house. Uh, very packed. Um, I'll say that. I am very proud of Night Nation. Uh, I will say probably a couple minutes into kickoff, one many seats empty. It looked like we were playing a Baylor. So credit to Night Nation before we get started. Um, but Nick, Rob, how you guys doing? Um, obviously, what are your first initial thoughts on the game? We'll go into more in-depth right now, but uh, kind of give your initial take on a 56-6 to Knights victory. Well, first off, sorry that I could not be in attendance. I had planned to go, but unfortunately, for those who don't know, I live in Tampa, and the, uh, the storm, the hurricane, kind of impacted my ability to get over there in time unfortunately so that resulted in me having to watch this game from the friendly confines of my home thank goodness we're in the big 12 because we got to have this game on fs1 that was on espn i as many others would have been shut out right at game time don't even get me started on that with uh, the whole spectrum espn disaster came out tonight i'm still i'm st- mm. Still going after that one. But anyway, I digress. Uh, See, we, we couldn't watch it in the bounce house because the connectivity is not ready yet. So I, I couldn't mean, see stats. I couldn't see nothing. That's typical. That's typical. But, you know, Florida Florida got walked over. I think that's – I didn't have Good. to watch the game to see that. Uh, but I digress. We, uh, we expected this. Um, you know, when we kind of went into this game, uh, 
I was treating this kind of like South Carolina State from last year, and I believe wasn't that like fifty six to ten or something? Was that, that was game? my prediction for this game? Fifty six to ten. And you had fifty six to ten. This one ends up fifty six to six, a fifty point win for UCF. I mean. How much more could you really ask for, to be honest? I mean, we'll, we'll dive into what we liked, uh, the few things that we didn't like, obviously. But my initial thoughts is a 50-point win. It's hard to really complain that much after that. Rob, what were your kind of initial thoughts? Uh, obviously, Rob has season tickets, so he'll be at every game. He's just going to make this one. But um, kind of give your initial initial thoughts on, on what you saw on FS1 tonight, which was not ESPN+. Plus. Uh, yeah, much better broadcast. Uh, first off, the graphics look so much nicer. I mean, they're clean. They're interactive. I am very impressed by what I saw. But, I mean, obviously, you know, we'll get into more detail, like Nick said. But, you know, it's hard to be mad at a, a blowout victory for UCF, as was to be expected. I said 48-3. to I was a little bit off. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's not much to say. I'm, there's nitpicks here and there. There's concerns I think all three of us have going forward with the tougher games that UCF has on the schedule. But, I mean, again, it's hard to complain when it's a complete blowout at home. I mean, we kind of expected it. So, I was very, very happy with what I saw. And it was an entertaining game when you see so much of a high-powered offense. We'll go through it a little bit more. Uh, my initial thoughts, I think, uh, early, I wasn't... There was no point I was scared in this game. Obviously, it's Kent State. Um, there were points where there was a little bit of concern uh, early on with the defense a little bit, uh, just how easily Kent State was moving the ball. If it wasn't for a missed field goal, I mean, granted, it could have been 9-56, to 56, not too much of a difference, but... They were moving the ball uh, pretty early on. I feel like in the second half, the defense really cleaned it up, uh, mostly in the secondary. Uh, the secondary was kind of the one I was getting a little bit nervous on. Uh, a lot of short intermediate routes that were uh, way too easy. Um, a lot of missed assignments on deep balls. Um, I think the run defense was very solid. We'll get into kind of the players on the defense offensively uh not much to not like out of the offense the only thing that you look at is turnovers um john rice Plumley had all three of those turnovers two interceptions one fumble that needs to get cleaned up we'll talk about john rice now but besides that um you know didn't see a lot of deep passing but i'm glad i said on you know the preview i don't want to see a lot of deep uh pass plays because i don't want you to unload a lot of your playbook against kent state i did like darren hinshaw's play calling I thought he called a really good game, really solid game. Ran the ball 46 times uh, for 389 yards. Uh, that's And then passed 35 times. Uh, we know Darren Henshaw likes to run the ball, and he really came out and ran the ball early. Uh, but let's kind of get into boys. You know, John Rice obviously didn't have a bad game. I mean, 22 of 30, 281, three touchdowns, two picks. Had a completion percentage of 73% with a QB rating of 171.7. He also ran the ball eight times for 90 yards and a touchdown. He was showing himself why he's the dual threat quarterback that we all know out of John Rice. Very similar game early on from last year against SC State. I think he ran for 100 against SC State. It was a lot of early running. Uh, you know, you know, give credit to Kent State. They weren't really... Um, letting up on the receivers, which John Rice kind of made right decisions to get out of the pocket and showed who he kind of is. Tell me if I'm wrong here. I, that that jump over the defender, immaculate. We love to see that. 
I'm not like we can't have that this year, <laughs> especially not against Kent State in the very first game, the very first drive. We're hurdling a defender. What was all of this talk? And again, this is nitpicky, and I know we're all we all loved him. We're like, oh, that was cool. It's not what we need in this first game, but. I digress. Nick, kind of give your talk, your thoughts on John Rice. Obviously, turnovers, I would say, are a problem. Uh, fixable, because they were just, you know, both in the end zone. Both, he just underthrew it, didn't kind of lob it. Um, the fumble definitely needs to get cleaned up. I don't really, I didn't see it really from a good vantage point, so maybe one of you guys can help me out on that one, but it did look like John Rice's fault. Um, Nick, kind of give your overall thoughts on John Rice against Kent State tonight. Well, to the fumble, it just, to me, it looked like he was just trying to fight for extra yardage, kind of do too much. And and listen, we, if you watch John Rice Plumley play, I don't know if I'd describe it as reckless abandon a little bit with his, uh, his running style. Like, there are a couple times, and remember, there was the whole emphasis in the offseason, right? The coaches were talking, we don't want John Rice to get hit as much as he did last year. We don't want John Rice to be our leading rusher. And then through at least the first half of the game, John Rice Plumley is your leading rusher. And John Rice Humley or Plumley, not only is he getting hit, he's inviting hits. Like it's little things. Like he's running out of bounds and he's running out of bounds on a few plays, like giving himself butt. In the end, though, he's still kind of like throwing a shoulder into the defender. It's just little things like that that I saw from him. I mean, obviously the hurdle, that was really cool. I mean, it's the first drive of the season. You know, let's let's show off and everything. But but yes, clearly that is still a part of his game that I think needs to be uh, cleaned up if he's going to last the full season here in the Big 12. Because this is Kent State, like you said. It'll fly against Kent State. Don't know if it will against some of the other teams. Uh, but but his grading out his whole performance, I mean, his highs were immaculate. He's special running the football. Nobody's going to take that away from him. I thought... The first two to three drives of the game, he was very convincing with his reads. I thought his throws over the middle of the field, some of my bigger concerns with him, I thought he looked really good in that. Uh, thought he tailed off for a little bit. I mean, he had the two interceptions. The one, I think it was just before half, was the first one, right? Uh, you know, he's kind of on his run, throwing it up there. I mean, that one I don't really get that bothered much about. I think he was trying to throw a 50-50 ball, and to your point, I think he just underthrew it a little bit. Second one, staring down Randy Pittman, true freshman receiver or tight end, first career game. Got to make that an easier ball for him. You got to give that. A, you got to give Randy Pittman a chance to go up and get that. So he stared him down just a little too long, I thought, and then he threw kind of a bullet pass over there where there needed to be more touch on that. Uh, you can clean that up, but just overall, three turnovers for John Rise, not great. And I, I would like to see against bigger competition what that looks like if he turns it over for three times it definitely will not be a 56 to 6 win i could pretty much with confidence tell you that uh but yeah i think if i was going on a grading scale i'd, I'd give john rise Plumley a solid b a solid b for this game i think yeah i think that's i think that's a solid grade obviously the turnovers need to be cleaned up and i think they will like it's fixable. I agree with you on the Randy Pittman one. I think if you would have lofted that just a little bit more just and put him it in the pocket. He, he just put it in a point where Randy had no chance to even do anything. No, he was already in the back of the he was already in the back of the end zone. If you just give him a 50-50 ball, from everything we've been hearing, I think Randy Pittman comes down with it. The defender, I mean, Randy had two steps on him. I think if he just would have lofted a little bit more, it's a touchdown. And if you think about it, I mean, two potential touchdowns, you're looking at a completely different... You're looking potentially 70 points here. 
that you could have been put up and you just turned over the ball. So that's the thing. The offense, I mean, they did whatever they want against Kent State. I don't there wasn't too many times UCF punted. UCF's offense it wasn't a lot of short intermediate routes. It was a lot of listen, up the middle, like throwing the ball in the middle, which I think John Rice, I will say, he looked different throwing the ball up the middle. Like he hit receivers in stride. He looked good. He looked polished. The only thing I'll say, just like I said last year, it seems like sometimes when the pocket collapses, his first instinct, like you said, Nick, is, is just to get out of the pocket. And I think when he's stuck in that pocket, he made some beautiful throws tonight. So right, right. I and just I even, hope. And I was going to say, too, and I even love, and this is speaking to your point about Henshaw, I love the play design on the R.J. Harvey, the 50-yard touchdown that he had. Uh, where they kind of used him as a decoy, as a blocker, and nobody in Kent State even picked it up, and he just ran through the middle of the field, plumbly hits him in stride, boom, 50 yards. Just wanted to point that out. That was another example of that, by the way. No, and he did that twice. I think he called it kind of a similar play twice because he had the one with the Alec Holler touchdown where catch him off guard, got Holler basically a wide-open touchdown. So um, I liked what I saw. Obviously, there's a hesitancy. I think I'm more confident in John Rice Tonight, and I like it's weird because obviously after SC State, we were all on a high. But I think what we saw tonight shows that there has been certain improvements that we can then take into next week and be like, this could be a different offense and a different ran offense. Rob, really quickly, Timmy McLean comes in. Obviously, don't want to talk too much on Timmy, um, but I think I'm that's why I gave this question to Rob and not you because I know Rob will be completely down the middle um kind of give your take on Timmy I think a lot of good things I think he ran the offense really well um liked what I saw in the play action game with him um and kind of liked you know how he got the ball out he he gets it out pretty quickly um but kind of give your take on what you saw of Timmy obviously it's in garbage time after a blowout but definitely something to look at as we move along, because that's your backup if John Rice potentially gets hurt, and who knows with how he's jumping around, how what what kind of injuries he can he can get this year. Hopefully none. Knock on wood. Um, but you know, tell me what you saw out of Timmy tonight. Yeah, I think the the first thing you see out of Timmy it, that's noticeable, and I think even better than what John Rice probably can do is the quick release. I mean, Timmy's got a pretty a pretty quick release for. Um, you know, being a backup and making his first appearance for UCF, I thought he looked very comfortable in the pocket. Thought he made some good decisions. Again, we didn't see too much of him, and you know, it's in garbage time, like you said. But I, I really was impressed by you know just his just his confidence, and I and I noticed a lot more confidence in John Rice Plumley uh, tonight as well compared to last season. Obviously, it's still very early, but. No, I, I think Timmy looked pretty good. Um, I'm impressed with what I saw. I, I again, the the release on him is very quick, which is very good for a offense that was trying to run fast all night. Uh, UCF did so. I, I think that's a very big plus. If you have to have this guy come in the game at any point during the season and you call upon him, I think you know he looks he looks the part at least. Um, Again, everything with a grain of salt, but I already saw people saying, oh, he's he's making a case for QB1. He got his first touchdown. I'm like, all right, c- calm down a little bit. We need we need to see a little bit more out of Timmy, but I, I was very impressed with what I saw, and I kind of wish we had gotten to see it a little bit more in the fourth quarter, but, uh, you know, can't complain with what you saw out of him tonight. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, it is against Kent State, but I will say after watching him, 
if God forbid John Rice was injured at some point in the year, I think there was a little bit of a question mark like, okay, you have Dylan Risk, you have Timmy McLean. How good is Timmy really? We haven't seen him in a couple years. He played as a true freshman. How much better has he gotten? And again, take it with a grain of salt. It's against Kent State. But I really liked what I saw out of Timmy with his decision-making specifically. Um, Let's go. See, Nick, I'm not letting you talk about Timmy. We're moving on. Um, (laughs) Let's talk UCF running backs. Uh, Very impressive. Uh, Didn't really love... I'll say this. Besides the R.J. Harvey big run... Didn't really have much else. Uh, I will give a lot of credit to Kent State. Not a lot up the middle. They were really kind of covering the box, which, again, against UCF, that's kind of how teams are starting to play us, where it's like, you're either going to run it with this running back or John Rice Plum is going to take off. We're going to kind of crowd this box and make sure you don't get any easy thing up the middle. Most of the runs were cut to the outside, which is where Johnny Richardson kind of came in tonight and, and really shined. We kind of are getting everything we wanted because last year it was why isn't Johnny getting more touches, right? Why isn't RJ Harvey getting more touches? And it wasn't even just them two. I mean, we got everybody under the sun. You saw Mark Anthony Richards. You saw Xavier Townsend get some play at running back one time. You saw RJ Harvey, Demarcus Bowman at the end of the game got a lot of carries and Johnny Richardson. So, and Jordan McDonald didn't, we'll talk about him, but kind of Nick, uh, talk about one running back that, you know, stood out to you in the game and, um, I mean, hell, we ran the ball 46 times for 389 yards for and five touchdowns. That shows you kind of a Darren Hinshaw offense. It's very 50-50, but he likes to run the football. Yeah, I, I mean, this is a position of strength that we talked about when we were doing the depth, the depth chart preview. I mean, the fact that we were talking to Marcus Bowman as a fourth option in the running game, which kind of showed itself to be true, did it not? I mean, we saw him kind of sporadically throughout the game, but – he finally got his chance to come in, you know, there in the last five minutes when Timmy was in the game. And, of course, he gets the touchdown. He looked good in the action I saw him in. Uh, but Johnny, I think, is the story because he ends up with uh, team-high carries. I think 12 for 100, Johnny Richardson goes. And he got hosed, man. A 50-yard run, just easy, easy breeze right to the middle of the field. And Jared Hell, That's Baker, another touchdown that got taken off. Another that would have been 77. Right, right. Uh, but Jared Baker, I think it was, that gets called for the hold in the middle of the field right around the 50-yard line. Didn't really need to hold him whatsoever. Johnny was was flying right by. But unfortunate. But the fact, like you said, I feel like we were calling for Johnny Richardson more in the offense last year, like week after week after week after week. And we were just fed like the Isaiah Bowser show, it felt like, for at least half the season. And so it was good to see Johnny because I wasn't expecting that, to be honest with you. I know we he had a lot. He played a lot. I know we had him second on our depth chart, but it seemed like at least early in the game, like the running game kind of started slow, I thought. Like first really quarter, slow. first quarter I felt I was like, man, RG's kind of really not in the game right now. Like, and you know, so there was some of some of it was just, you know, blocking issues up front, weren't creating enough lanes, things like that for RJ. But then when Johnny got in there and they kind of went to the perimeter and used kind of that speed, that's when it kind of opened up, I thought. And then RJ comes back in. And even again, I said to myself, I'm like, man, RJ Harvey hasn't really done much. Then he had the 50-yard touchdown, right? Uh, The receiving touchdown. And then he comes back in there. He has the run later in the third quarter, which prompted me to tweet RJ Harvey for Heisman. Start the campaign right now. He's going to have to get a lot more touches, though, to get get up there. And I don't know if he's going to get it in this offense, unfortunately, because there's a lot of mouths to feed. But a great night, 394 yards of, of running. I mean, I'll take that every week, please. 
Rob, kind of talk about Demarcus Bowman a little bit. I mean, I think he's the hot topic on every UCF fan's mind just because you envision this five-star running back that's on your roster. And we said, we've heard certain things about DeMarcus, how he's incredible with the ball in his hands. If he if he gets on the field, he's going to do some special things. It's just he has to clean up a couple of those, you know, fundamental things to get him on the field. Kind of what you see, he got, I will say, before I go to you, I did love the Darren Henshaw. He used a lot of two running back sets, which bringing DeMarcus in motion, he did that a lot, where he would bring DeMarcus in motion, maybe it was RJ Harvey or Johnny in the game, but they would kind of use DeMarcus as a wide receiver type and kind of use him in motion to to keep him guessing. Really liked that because, again, Nick, you said it when we were doing the preview. You said, like, a player like that needs to be on the field, and I think they are finding ways to put DeMarcus Bowman on the field even if he's not RB1. So And, and keep in mind, too, by the way, to DeMarcus – he hasn't played football in how many years? Yeah, going on like two, three years. Around like two, three years. So a cameo, fourth quarter, probably smart. If I mean, yeah. I'm taking the emotion that I want to see him out of it. So Rob, give your uh, give your take. Ended up going eight for 46 and a touchdown. Obviously in garbage time, like I said, but I mean, 5.8. Yard average, he also did have a reception, uh, or two, or how many receptions? Two receptions for seven yards, not a lot, but again, he was involved. They they made sure to get DeMarcus Bowman involved tonight. Yeah, I mean, and listen, for being the fourth leading rusher on the team tonight, when you got so many so many guys on the field that you got to get the ball to, I mean, I thought he played pretty well. Uh, again, garbage time, but no, I, I thought he looked pretty impressive, and I'd like to see more of him. I think most of us would like to see more of him. Um, but like you said, I think if you can incorporate him where he can kind of be the fake-out guy, where you can put him in a two-set with another running back and kind of, you know, throw the defense off of, okay, which one are they going to run? Even if DeMarcus Bowman isn't the one that gets the ball primarily, I think if you run that type of play, I mean, that's not something that's going to show up on the score sheet, but that's an intangible that becomes valuable for an offense like this. And if you're bringing in a guy like Darren Hinshaw who specializes in these type of special plays and these type of run plays where, you know, he's really an expert at crafting uh, you know, smart running plays. I think this is where a guy like Demarcus Bowman becomes invaluable. Again, might not show up on the score sheet, short score sheet every game, but he's going to be a guy that they use uh, to their advantage and and to get the de- defenses uh, guessing every game. And I think that's again that's invaluable. Let's talk receivers really quick. Um, obviously, the easy name to talk about is Xavier Townsend. We've heard this guy's name throughout spring camp, throughout fall camp. And he seems like, now this is just how I saw it, but I'm pretty sure you guys see it too. He's John Rice Plumlee's safety blanket this season. You know, I know Javon Baker and him have a love for each other. That was his guy last year. It kind of just seemed early on, he was looking for Xavier every single time he could. I mean, I think Xavier literally had every single one of John Rice Plumlee's pass yards in the first quarter. He was just on. And I think he seemed reliable. Um, I think he was, uh, attempt-wise, he caught five balls for 81 yards a touchdown on six targets. Um, I, I really like him what I'm seeing out of him. I will say the touchdown uh, that he did have, if we were playing a Baylor, he probably would have got blown up. Uh, just saying. Not, listen, we'll take the touchdown, but I think not the greatest thrown ball, but we'll take the touchdown. Nick, besides Xavier, and you can go into Xavier, I mean – 
Javon Baker had a good game. Kobe Hudson had a good game. You really saw a lot out of a lot of different guys. Not too many guys that stand out besides Xavier, but um, kind of give your take on the receivers as a whole. And, I mean, the game that they had, 334 yards uh, passing the ball. So, a good night uh, for the receivers. Yeah, I, I thought it was a decent night. Nothing like, nothing crazy. I mean, Xavier kind of got a lot of his uh, his yardage there on the first two drives of the game, and then uh, for whatever reason, didn't really go back to him, I thought, for, mo- for much after that. Uh, Javon, I, I even texted y'all. I was like, is Javon playing? <laughs> like the first half, I was like, I seriously have not seen one target his way. I've not heard his name. And then like it felt like two minutes later, he finally makes his first catch of the game i won't i won't go as far to say yet that you know townsend looks like he could be the safety blanket this year i i think javon baker until until i see more you know of a sample size i still think he's going to be the guy in this offense like he was last year and he'll have better days i mean he's still he was relatively quiet for most of the night and then you look at the box score and he still ended up with four and 59 a decent night right and you know kobe too four for 44 i believe he was your top three guys are your top three guys uh, of note, there was no Corey Gamage, no sighting, uh, no sight of him on the field, which we kind of had, I guess, suspected after the the death chart came out, and he was nowhere to be found. Whereas, you know, even like a Trent Whittemore was on there, and you know, I'll save that for Rob because I know he has thoughts on Trent Whittemore. Uh, but no, I think uh, all in all, a decent night for the uh, the receiving group. But I think in general, they took a back seat to what the running backs did. Yeah, I think. Honestly, I'm loving the 50-50. I, I love it. Like any team that you do, if you can go 50-50 and be productive, that's great. I was loving the passing play calls, which I know that were, there was a lot of frustration out of many fans, especially us last season with some of the pass calls. It didn't seem like a lot of those type of plays today. It seemed a lot of passing down the field. Didn't need to be 80-yard or 50-yard passes, but it was intermediate short throws up the field not on you know the line of scrimmage um rob i think nick alluded to it but kind of and we'll, we have a segment later where we'll go more in depth but was there any receiver or receivers that you kind of were disappointed by tonight a little bit that you want to see more out of yeah i mean obviously first half you talk about javon baker ends up finishing second in in on the score sheet for uh ucf obviously had a great second half but he was disappearing a little bit in the first half kind of wondering where he was at and you know he finally shows up especially when again jrp's number one target last year was kind of surprising not to see him get involved but yeah i mean i think disappointing guy that i need to see more out of especially because he started uh alongside baker uh and townsend is trent whittemore um obviously trent from Florida I really I thought coming into the season I I definitely thought UCF was going to use him a lot more Um, and he got the start tonight but I mean I don't I don't even know how many targets he actually got I don't think he ended up on the score sheet at all actually and he had a huge drop in the end zone uh, that would have been a touchdown so I, I mean he's he's a guy that you know, again, I don't know how much UCF's actively going to use him this season and where he's going to fall on this depth chart throughout the season, but certainly not a good showing this this first time out. Doesn't get the targets, doesn't get uh, doesn't get the receptions, and just doesn't find himself much involved at all in this in this first game against Kent State. I'll say this, and I don't know if people will agree with me or disagree with me. Uh, put it down in the comments below. I think our our when you take away Javon Baker, Kobe Hudson, Xavier Townsend, I think your fourth best receiver was Randy Pittman. Like, I think he was in the right spots. 
Uh, I mean, didn't have huge numbers. Like, I know he had three receptions for 21 yards, but I liked what I saw out of Randy Pittman, and I don't, like, the backups really need to kind of step up. If you look at the the receptions and stuff, like, everybody kind of got a touch or two, but I don't, if you look besides Pittman down, there's no backup. The only one is Jalen Griffin as a backup wide receiver that caught one ball for eight yards. So that kind of, the wide receiver room is deep. But like when those starters go out and you come in, you need to put on a performance. You need to show like, hey, I can I can play starter minutes and and, and be effective. So I kind of want to see that out of the receivers. Um, but besides that, it's really hard to knock on a team that scored 56 points, could have been much more, and had 700 and something yards of total offense. I mean, you can't really come and say, oh, they didn't do this right. It's against Boise, we'll see. I mean, again, this is all leading into a much tougher game, but I think all in all, the offense put on a good performance and credit to Darren Henshaw, um, and we'll see what he can do next week. Let's talk about the defense. Mike Alamo, um, was no bueno. Uh, he was uh, god-awful. Uh, 12 for 31, 145 yards passing and an interception. Had a completion percentage of 39%. Uh, he was not good. Um, we'll say, early on, I will say, Mike Alamo, kind of, he gets the ball out quick. Like, he's got a he's got a cannon. He's got a dart. He can, he can throw darts. His deep balls were not good, um, but I don't know if that was more so. He was kind of just protecting the receivers because there was corners kind of draped on him. Um, defensively, guys, I mean, to only allow six points, I don't care who the team is, that's great. Um, like I said early on, it was a little sus with kind of the yards they were allowing, the plays that they were allowing. I think they uh, allowed Kent State to go 7 of 17 on third down. Decent, not not bad at all, but also, you know, you want to kind of lower that a little bit. Um, Lee Hunter, I mean, Lee Hunter looked every bit of what we've been hearing. He broke up a lot of runs. I think that's the positive out of the defense today was they stopped the run. I mean, if we look at the rushing attempts for Kent State, it was 36 attempts for 95 yards, 2.6 average. I mean, I think that is the positive. The positive is they stopped the run, and that's what you got to do first. I think the negative we take away is there were some stuff in the secondary that definitely needs to be cleaned up. And before we go into it, Corey Thornton, I, you know, I again, we have a segment. We're going to go into it. But for all of you that are reaching out and saying you're being disrespectful to Corey Thornton, I love Corey Thornton. He's a great person. He's great for this community. He's great on the nights. Unfortunately, he just gives up too many plays. I mean, guess what? Kent State was throwing at him like the entire first quarter. He played better in the second half, but I—that's my. I, we'll go into it later. But Nick, kind of give your overall take on the defense. Like I said, the run defense was superb. That's what I like to see when you have a defensive line like that. I mean, that's that's great to see. Um, so what do you think of the overall defense? And again, you saw basically everything, everybody from the defense tonight. There was a lot of substitutions, which I love to see. Um, and that's good to know when you're making a lot of subs that there's not really a drop off. Well, first, let me get this out of the way because the defense was a little hard for me to judge tonight. And I can't believe I haven't mentioned this. Somebody needs to get on these, this UCF equipment team for these black nameplates 
for those of us watching at home who may not know everybody's number, right? A little difficult for me to know who's who. It took me about a quarter just to figure that out. And then I could really start zoning in on the defense. So let me just get that out of the way. Not a fan well, of the I'll black say this. Not saying I'm better, but, you know, I went with my girlfriend to the game. And from section 225 or 236, I was saying, oh, that's XYZ. So I could read the players just based off of the number. But I again, I digress, you know. I don't I just, need to read I'm the nameplate. I'm not a big number guy. I'm not a big number guy. I've never looked at the number of guys ever. And that just like bit me in the you know what tonight. So next week, if they or whatever they wear these black nameplates again, I'm gonna have a, a roster sheet printed out for myself. But there you anyway, go. No, no more. No more of that. Uh defensively i figured this was going to be a generally you know easier night and they were going to be able to play a lot of the young guys saw a lot of john walker out there thought he looked good made some plays uh i thought nakai had his moments uh could have had a pick six could have had a pick six Braden marshall got in there and i think immediately had a pbu that was nice to see you mentioned lee hunter i thought immediately the first who set the tone immediately on that first drive it's lee hunter it's ricky barber it's Traymon Morris Brash. The guys who have been here and have played a lot of football continue to be the tone setters up front. And then, of course, you got to throw Josh Shelazar in there as well. He's every bit as experienced as, as those uh, other three guys. So it, it kind of checks out to what we were saying, right? The strength of this team lies in kind of that defensive line unit as a whole on the edge and in the interior. I thought they stepped up tonight. If I had to pick a concern with the defense, I thought there were spots where the secondary was a bit spotty early on. Now, they did correct that later. Shout out to Jordan Mask. Incredible interception. Incredible interception. Texas State transfer, who admittedly, I don't think we've talked about a lot. We were focusing on a lot of the other transfers. DeCorian Patterson, obviously, who... I didn't see him much on the field tonight. You said that from the stands you could see him, and he made some plays, so I guess that's good to see. And if they're not calling his name, that's fine by me when you're playing the cornerback position, obviously. But play of the night was clearly to Jordan Mask, and uh, the competition's going to get a lot thicker. But in general, I thought it was a, a pretty good night for the defense and especially the unit up front. Rob, what did you see from the defense? Obviously, I think the the real winners of the night was the front seven, which we've been hearing about since you know, spring camp. Uh, but I mean, that kind of foursome of Lee Hunter, uh, Josh Seliscar, Traymon Morris Brash, you know, the list goes on and on. Uh, that front seven feasted tonight. And if UCF's going to be good, I think that is what's, you know, going to kind of take them to the promise line on the defensive end. Yeah, no, I think I think the biggest strength for this obviously is that front. I mean, this defensive line especially is is incredible. It's where most of the uh, you know experiences. Most of them are seniors, um, but it's where the most experiences. I think it's where the most depth of talent is. I think just the the defensive line is is incredible. And I, I thought Selisgar had a great game. I thought Morris Brash had a great game. Uh, even Walter Yates had a great game. Lee Hunter had a phenomenal game. It's just it's such a strong defense up front, and that's going to be instrumental in UCF getting to the quarterback all season long. Um, again, I, I think you both hit on it. The secondary, I think, is the biggest concern. There's there's a lot to be worried about there. Um, you know, this is against a, a pretty 
pedestrian offense, we'll say, uh, with Kent State. When you have to play a Baylor or you have to play a Kansas State this season, it's going to be very tough for that secondary. And I'm curious to see, even against Boise, but I'm I'm curious to see how this uh, secondary especially fares against um, – you know, tougher opponents and tougher offense. Uh, but right now, I think, uh, yeah, the biggest strength is that front seven, especially the defensive line. It's it's really, really something special. And it could be could lead to UCF having one of the best defensive units we've seen maybe in, in program history. I think it's just there's so, so much talent, so much experience up there that this is really where the defense is going to have to lead by example is, is up top. And that's the thing. They are deep on that front seven like that d line they are deep like you have john walker coming off the bench you have malachi lawrence who made plays um in the linebacker group i mean jason johnson we were talking about before we started recording wasn't really at a you didn't really see him a lot tonight he wasn't making the plays he's used to but guys like ryan davis really stood out to me like georgia transfer he was a backup he had five total tackles three solo tackles like he kind of stepped up uh, Quadra Bullard made some big hits tonight. Uh, he's a starter, but he he made some big hits, and he was in the secondary. Um, so, I mean, it's good to know that there's a really part of your defense that's elite. The question is going to be, can you stop the pass? And in this league, we all said, like, they're going to be able to stop the run. I think that's not going to be really an issue. There's not going to be a game where we're like, wow, they could not have stopped the run. There might be instances where, you know, a team's just running the ball on them and they have to clean it up in the second half. My issue that I'm kind of looking at it is I like the Jordan mask. I think whenever he was thrown to, his coverage was right. He was in the right spot at the right time. He, he was playing good fundamental work in the secondary. My issue is now Brandon Adams. I actually liked how Brandon Adams played. I think he played pretty well tonight there wasn't a moment where you're like oh Brandon what are you doing I liked what like DeCorian Patterson when he was in they didn't throw the ball near him so like I want to see kind of what he can do um I was a little lower on Braden Marshall I think he had some good things but some definite things he needs to clean up obviously he had the pass interference call didn't turn his head around Nikai Martinez he also was a little spotty I think there were certain moments that he again he looked good all other moments where you're like, what are you doing? He actually got pulled, I know, for one time where they pulled him after a bad play. Um, I think it was the one that got put, called back early in the, the game. It was a holding on Kent State, but guy came across the middle, took it all the way, only like the five-yard line, got called back. That was Nakai's fault. They took him out, put Brayden Marshall in. So the secondary needs to clean it up. Next week, again, I'm going to watch the Boise State versus Washington game to kind of understand who we're going to be actually playing. But... The secondary needs to get cleaned up. No offense or butts about it. All right, guys, let's do our new segment. It's called Nights Up, Night Down. Cool graphics gonna be on the screen. I might play that cool music that's in the stadium where the nights or the lights go up and down. I thought that was a cool little play on words. I don't know. Let me know what you think. Basically, every post game we will be going and saying who we think had a you know a good performance, who's kind of trending upward. And then the nights that are trending downward. Uh, we've kind of given our initial thoughts already. Um, but I'll start with Nick. Kind of give your, who, which night is going up right now after this game? I already touched on him essentially. So uh, it's Johnny Richardson for me. Uh, and again, I'll, I'll just, without saying everything that I said before, uh, just because I just didn't expect to have this role, at least in game one. Uh, leading the team in carries, 12 carries, 100 yards. 
had a had a big touchdown run that got unfortunately called back off the uh, the holding in the middle of the field by Jared Davis. But I thought he I thought he ran the ball better than anybody else in the backfield because I thought RJ got off to a little bit of a slow start. And, you know, not taking anything away from obviously, but the run at the end, I think, kind of inflated his numbers a little bit out of the backfield. But I thought Johnny was the most consistent. So Johnny Richardson is my my night trending up after week one, game one against Kent State. Rob, who's your night trending up? Yeah, mine's Josh Seliscar. Uh, you know, I don't think he's anybody that, you know, you haven't heard of before. This is a guy that UCF fans are very familiar with and what he brings to the table. But I think especially this season, his senior season, I think he's going to be more instrumental than ever. And I thought he was great tonight alongside Lee Hunter. I thought a big reason why that front seven and why that uh, defensive line is so deep is because you have a leader like Josh Seliscar up there. He was obviously a captain tonight, thought he led by example, and he's going to be instrumental to this team this season uh, if they want to be you know, real good on defense. And I think he leads by example. You saw the first uh, defensive drive of the game against Kent State tonight. You saw how fired up Seliscar gets when he gets to the quarterback, when he gets to the running back and they make a big play. You see how excited he gets. And, you know, he made his presence felt. Uh, seven total tackles, four solo, one and a half tackles for a loss. The guy was all over the place. Him and Lee Hunter both. So uh, you gotta you gotta be impressed with what you're seeing. And I think he's gonna have a uh, senior season. To remember, he's one of one of one of my guys to look at on the team this year. I think he's he's a uh, pretty good fan favorite, and he brings a lot to this team as a leader. I'm going to say two. I'm going to say Xavier Townsend, and I'm going to say Jordan Mask. I think both of them, on their respective sides of the ball, had a great game. I'm excited to see kind of what Xavier can do going forward in the offense. Again, I think he's a he he can punch you wherever. He can punch you kind of from the back of the offensive line as a runner. He could punch you being a receiver, and I think you could definitely see that. Not going to call him a safety blanket. I know I said that it kind of looked like that, and I I don't think I'm wrong in that. I think with the way John Rice Plumlee is probably playing this quarterback position now, he's going to want those short intermediate routes a lot more just because I don't know. He still looks a little hesitant sometimes to make that deep throw, and I think Xavier Townsend is there 90% of the time. So I'm excited to see what he can do uh, this entire season. And then to Jordan Mask, I think he was the best player in the secondary by far. I'm excited to see what he can do going forward. Um, and yeah, I don't know if they're going to take him off the field much. Jairo Wilson kind of played a little bit too, and I liked what I saw out of him. But in regards to the secondary position, I think to Jordan Mask was clearly um, by far and away the best defender in the secondary. All right, Nick, who's your night down? Obviously, I don't think there was too many of them. Uh, I think a pretty clean game by everybody, but let's give our uh, night down uh, predictions, not even predictions. Who's our night down after uh, Kent State? Well, I, I think the one, if you're looking for a negative out of it, was seven penalties uh, for seven, 70 yards, many of those on the offensive side by way of holding on the offense. And uh, so I'll go with Marcellus Marshall and uh, Drake Metcalf in particular, because I believe both of them had two each, if I got that right tonight. So in in Drake and both of those guys' cases, uh, they won their respective position battles. Obviously, Drake Metcalf uh, winning the the center battle, which we had our eye on. Uh, But not a great night tonight for him with the two penalties. But again, this is all new for all these guys. Marcellus Marshall. Came in as a transfer from Kent State, obviously. Uh, one of the many players who left that program. But 
Again, not many downs to pick from. This was harder than uh, this was probably one of the harder weeks you're going to have this for the entire season, I'd bet. But just in general, need to clean up those penalties moving forward. Yeah, and guess who we didn't hear on the offensive line? Bula Schmidt. I mean, no, nowhere from here him, and that's a good sign when you're not hearing somebody's name. Yeah, when you're not hearing somebody's name, that probably means a good thing. Uh, Rob, who's your night down? Yeah, I kind of hit on him a little bit earlier. Trent Whittemore, uh, for a guy that was a starter tonight, again, we don't know really what we're going to be expecting him out of this season and how much usage he's actually going to get. But for a guy that was one of the three starters uh, at the wide receiver position tonight, really just didn't think he did much of anything. Uh, You know, again, he had that drop pass in the end zone, would have been a touchdown. He was caught looking down uh, at the ground before, you know, so he kind of hesitated a little bit on that catch, uh, ended up dropping it in the end zone. So uh, just not a very remarkable night from him especially on his uh his debut for UCF and just need to see more out of him again don't really know how much we're going to see out of him and how much usage but uh definitely not a not a great start to it again it's hard to complain in a 56 to 6 win uh, about the offense uh, I don't think the offense was one of the concerns mainly but you know uh, if you got a nitpick I think that's uh that's who you nitpick you nitpick one of the starters who really didn't find himself much uh much in the way of involvement UCF fans, you can hate me all you want. I'm going Corey Thornton. You can tell me I'm disrespectful. You can tell me I keep keep bringing him up. Uh, he, he, I will say, and this is just being honest, he had a better second half. Um, I think he was much better in the second half. But again, my issue with Corey Thornton is it just seems like he can be so much better. He's the, the prototypical guy you want at corner, but he gives up too many easy plays. He second guesses him to himself too much when he backs up and he gives six yards or seven yards. He second guesses himself when the ball's coming. He should be boom right right as the ball's getting thrown. He should be on a receiver and he doesn't. Like I think he can be good and he showed signs and he showed flashes. But all I've told you guys is he shows flashes, but he's not consistent. If he can get consistent and he just stays right here, he could be really good for this team. He will be a starter. He's just not consistent. That's why you saw him. They interchanged a lot of corners tonight because they're trying to find the guys that are going to play. And if you saw Kent State continue to throw it to his side, they kept throwing it there. What do you know when they take him out? They weren't throwing it over to that receiver. They. I'm not going to go too much more into it, but Corey Thornton, I hope and pray next week if he is starting, he is much better against Boise State. Before we go into kind of Boise State just a little bit, I want to mention Jordan McDonald because we didn't really talk about much in the right, the running back talk, and I think it needs to be brought up. Number one, my hot take, I don't think any of these guys are getting redshirted. I think they're all playing past four games. I'd be shocked if maybe Mark Antony Richard doesn't play. I think DeMarcus Bowman's getting a, a redshirt burned. I think Jordan McDonald's getting his redshirt burned. Jordan McDonald, I love to see him in that Isaiah Bowser role. You have a big running back, sophomore running back, put on a lot of muscle, and also looked really fast. Like, I didn't know Jordan McDonald had that kind of speed to him. He had that one wrong, uh, long run where I'm like, who is that? I didn't know it was Jordan. I'm like, I thought it was Johnny. I thought it was Zero. And I'm like, oh, no, that's Jordan McDonald. So, kind of... Either one of you can talk about it, but I think that is the perfect running back because, you know, I thought it was R.J. Harvey, and it still can be, but I love Jordan McDonald in that Isaiah Bowser wildcat role. 
Yeah, I mean, he's he's you kept seeing wild to describe how Jordan McDonald played tonight. And I think he's a guy that, again, he's built like Bowser a little bit. He's a little bit of a tank, uh, similar style, but also he's got the speed. He's got he's got that little bit of an extra edge to him where Bowser kind of moved it up the middle a lot. He's like a freight train when you try to move him. I think McDonald's kind of built the same way. And Gus kind of said it after the game as well. He, you see similarities between him and Bowser where he kind of lowers the shoulders a bit and, and leans into it leans into the defensive line and he can kind of pick up extra yards that way but he just adds another facet there where he can have that speed and that kind of wildness to his game and he can kind of open up it instead of just you know running it up the middle of the field hey it worked for bowser and it worked for getting touchdowns but i think having a guy like mcdonald that can that can you know be that kind of freight train uh sort of body frame and then also have some speed to his game i think is is a very big thing very big asset for that running back room Hey, in the interest of bringing up players we haven't mentioned that need their spotlight tonight. Oh, you're going to say Colton Boomer, aren't you? Oh, I'll steal my thunder. <laughs> you didn't let me even say it. I'm sorry. I feel like I have to whenever you, you smile Boomer. and you say we got to bring up a player. Colton I'm like, oh, Boomer. you're going to say Colton Boomer. Eight extra points, baby. Eight for eight. Listen, I break college kickers, man. They miss all the time, but not Colton Boomer. Not he was a little Boomer. sus on one of them. I don't care. On, as long as it goes on through. On that one of them, he hooked that thing really I, I, two goals unbothered. left. I'm unbothered. You couldn't do it. I want to see you go out there and do it. Oh, I didn't say I would. I'm happy with Colton yeah, Boomer. I'm just I, saying that, That's what I he thought. did hook the one a little left. That's yeah, all I'm saying. Well, you know, They all count the same. It doesn't matter if it goes. Hey, while we're bringing up special, if we want to bring up specialists, then let's bring up Mitch McCarthy. I love him as a punter. He's amazing as a punter. I think he's great. Yeah, what, do you get one punt tonight? Yeah, one or two. Yeah, Actually, let me. Fi- I want to make sure he- I give him his due since you brought up the extra points. Sure. Mitch McCarthy. Sure. I have sure. to find the specialist. Shout he's, out, uh, he's rarely on the field. Shout out uh, Alex Ward, by the way. He uh, he made the 53-man roster for he the – was it the Los Angeles Rams? Yes, it was. Yes, so, it was. So, there you go. UCF going on to bigger things. Gabe Davis, team captain, the Bills. Team captain. Yep. Look Zuniga at that. Kalia Davis. One preseason game, and he makes San Francisco's raw tough roster to make. So, UCF and the pros there. Look at us. Look at us. Uh, Mitch McCarthy had one punt. You were correct, Nick. There you go. For 42 Um, yards, right? 42 yards. Right on the money. Right on the money. All right, boys. Next week is Boise State. Uh, I think we're all going to be watching closely uh, Boise versus Washington. Uh, you would think that Washington would win that game, but a lot of people around the country are kind of saying that there's you know, an upset watch, an upset warning uh, for Boise versus Washington, which scares me. Whenever somebody's saying that that's an upset watch, I can only imagine what they're saying about UCF versus Boise. Um, I'm more confident now, kind of just seeing how the offense is run, seeing how the defense looks. I feel confident going to Boise. But again, that's... You, I think we all don't want to go to Boise in week two to play on that blue field. Um, so bef- I know we're going to have a preview next. Do we play on Friday, boys? I think we play on Friday, right? Saturday. We'll have a preview. It's Saturday. Do we play Saturday? Yeah, oh, Saturday cool. at 7 o'clock at night. So we'll probably have a preview on Thursday, Thursday or Friday at Boise. Um, as a UCF fan, you probably should watch the Boise versus Washington game, but... Kind of give your guys' initial thoughts, your final thoughts after this game and kind of your confidence heading into week two against Boise State. Uh, I mean, just for me, it doesn't change much from what I said for my schedule prediction. I still think this is one of those 
typical trap games that college football just presents in front of teams. I don't like the fact that it's in week two. I really can't stand it. I hate the fact that this game's at night as well. Uh, that place is going to be bouncing. Let's see what happens. If they go out there and beat Washington, then then my goodness, we're Boise State's putting themselves out there. If they beat Washington on the road, Washington's a top 10 team, if I'm not mistaken. I believe they're ranked like number 10 going into this yeah, game, I want to say. So, and I know somebody yet last week too, we were talking about Boise State, and they were like, you know, if we can't beat Boise State now, you know, we're we got issues. And it's like Again, polls are polls. I get it, but Boise State was one of the teams that had that wasn't ranked. I think they were like they would have been like twenty seven or twenty eight. They got a lot of votes in that poll. Yeah. A lot of people think highly of Boise State. Think they're going to win the conference. It's not going to be a walk in the park. This is not going to be in the walk in the park. This is a substantial uh, upgrade of a team and players you're playing from Kent State to Boise State. So. Uh, you know, I feel like I've gone back and forth on this game. We'll get into it, obviously, this week. Uh, but as of now, I still think UCF will pull it out, but it's going to be a very, very tough one out there in Boise. Rob, kind of give your your thoughts. I've got a couple comments to read to end, but give your uh, an final thoughts on this game and your kind of confidence as well going into Boise. Yeah, I mean, again, hard to complain about a 56-6 victory, but like I said, there is still concerns with the secondary uh, and some of the shakiness with the offensive line, even with JRP. Uh, listen, Boise State is a tough opponent. doesn't matter how you look at it. Uh, they struggled against non-Mountain West Conference teams last year, uh, but they completely dominated, went undefeated in the Mountain West and won the conference. I think they had a 10-4 and record last year, so they were very, very tough. And going into somebody else's barn, especially uh, a good team like Boise State, it's it's going to be tough for UCF. It's, you know, this is, it's never easy having to go and make that trip. Uh, you know, Boise State's got some injuries to the season to a lot of their starters, especially at wide receiver. Um, but listen, they got a, a real good quarterback. Uh, Taylor Green is a true dual threat quarterback. What has UCF historically struggled against? Dual threat quarterbacks. So it's going to be very interesting to see how UCF fares against them next week, where, you know, again, historically, you suffer against, uh, we saw what Malik Cunningham did in the Louisville game. Uh, I don't want to see a repeat of that. And that was at home. So I'd, I'd prefer not to see a repeat of that on the road and be that trap game where UCF goes in, thinks, hey, maybe we have the upper hand of Boise State, whether Boise State wins this first game against Washington or not, but then go and struggle and, and just put it together, a complete stinker on the road against a, a dual threat quarterback. So it's going to be very interesting, and it's definitely going to be a lot tougher than this game. It, it only gets harder from here. So, And, and by the and way, like I said, maybe, real quick, this is probably the stat of the week for this game, and then I'll let you get to your last points. This is notable, though. Under Andy Avalos, head coach of Boise State, they're 13-1 and when they rush for at least 140 yards. 13-1. and So there's the point. If UCF stops the run, I think we're, we're going to be okay. I think we're going to be okay. We're still going to have a preview episode, folks. Uh, that probably will get brought up again in the preview episode next week. But uh, I'm going to hammer it we'll home. Go, I'm going to hammer it my home. It's my stat of the week. We'll see. We'll see how Washington does or or how Boise does against Washington because I'm sure we'll talk about that and kind of what we saw um, out of Boise. I found the comment. Um, it was on our episode a couple episodes ago. Mike uh, on YouTube commented, if we lose to Boise, that's sad and will be reflection of a 5-7 and seven season. We should be blowing group of five teams out of the water. They had four losses last year. Y'all are acting like they're good. So that was from Mike on YouTube. 
listen, I mean, they are good. Just like UCF was a group of five last team, they were nine and five. Boise technically had a better record than us last year. Uh, I'm sure a lot of teams were saying, y'all are acting like UCF is good. So, again, I don't really look at group of five, power five, because, again, I feel like UCF was better than most group uh, power five teams. You look at Boise and what they've done over the last couple years, Boise has been a top program. They know how to play football. They're good at football. So you don't want to go to Boise, Idaho in week two on a blue field who usually packs out that crowd. That's a tough environment, and it is a trap game. You could potentially lose that game. That's a good team. So um, I appreciate the comment, but I definitely don't think it's a reflection of a 5-7 and seven season if you lose it. It's just saying... You, you lose to a good team. All right, after the game, we got a couple comments on my Twitter post. Um, at Emptiness on Twitter said, some concern with defense still seem to be playing softer coverage. Hopefully just a first game thing. Yep, it, I mean, they were playing soft coverage. Uh, we'll see kind of if that happens at Boise. And then at Kick Lighter Troy said, one of the most elite groups of running backs I've seen in a long time. Nice, nice to have this depth of talent. Uh, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how many of them play each week and if any of them are going to get redshirted. But I think you might see them all play for the rest of the year. All right, boys, we'll do it again uh, next week uh, for our preview of Boise State. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. Please like, subscribe, share, do all that you do. We greatly appreciate it. Knights win against Kent State 56-6. This has been Charge On presented by Bet Online. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.